bad loss or emotional letdown. We break down an ugly 5-4 to four shootout loss against the Flyers and some trouble on the top line on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Just a reminder, make sure that you hit subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts absolutely free of charge. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, Jaden Homuth joins us as we break down a 5-4 shootout loss to the Philadelphia Flyers, some special teams woes, some top-line woes, and just how to react to a game like this against the Flyers. My name is Seth Topol, your daily Minnesota Wild insider. As mentioned, we bring in one of the regular crew, Jaden Homuth, to break down an ugly one. 5-4, to four, Wild lose to the Flyers in a shootout. And so how, how should people react to a game like this? You've just come off of a really big win against the New Jersey Devils. And it was an emotional win. It was a, an overtime win. Matt Boldy gets the buzzer beater. And you come out flat against the Flyers. Bad loss, emotional letdown. Jaden, where are you at with this game? I think it's I think it's something that we've seen before with this team where you come off a big win and you just come out flat. Um, there's not much to say about the game. It was you were able to tell right away from the start that there was no air in the tires of the wild and they just couldn't get anything going and the Flyers were pushing them all around the ice. They led the shots in every single period. Um, yeah, it was trying to look at my stats here right here. I just can't find anything good for the wild. It was besides the faceoff percentage, which we won again for two games in a row, we just couldn't get anything going. And I wouldn't say flurry necessarily was standing on his head to try and keep the wild in the game. So I think all around, it was just a bad game for everybody, but that second line, which is a theme now we've seen with Matt Boldy still on fire, whether we win or lose. But I think that the wild were just, lucky to get a point tonight and didn't necessarily deserve one. So I think that they're going to bounce back strong the one um, Saturday, because this is a game that is going to leave a salty taste in everybody's mouth and coming home from the road trip on Saturday in front of the home crowd is probably going to be a little bit more nice to this team. And I think that they're going to get it done. So I don't think that it's something that you need to overreact to or think that the season's over with. We, Almost have the playoffs on lock looking at the standings. It's getting close to that magic number, about 97, 98 points. But the team's going to be fine. They just need to keep going. And tonight just was a bad night. And every team has a bad night. So Yeah, and I think, I think the thing that a game like this shows you is that if you are flat out of the gate, that we have seen teams more often – 
use that to their advantage. The opponents use that to their advantage this year. If you come out flat against, like, Arizona, the Wild have had that happen this year. San Jose, those teams that have no reason to hang around, except if you give them a reason to hang around, and then in those instances, they take advantage, and you end up on the wrong end of a pretty ugly game. Yeah, this, like you said, coming right out of the All-Star break, that Arizona game, you you gave Arizona a chance to remain in the game, and they ended up winning the game. Um, it's happened multiple times this year with teams that you shouldn't lose to. Like, again, Arizona just last week, you gave Arizona a chance. Even though Arizona necessarily hasn't been a bad team recently, they've been very good, and they have Clayton Keller, who's one of the best players in the league. Those are games you need to win. And yes. tonight, the Flyers had nothing to play for. They don't really have any star power on their team and you allowed them to keep the energy and keep the momentum throughout the entire game. Even when you had a one goal lead, because you allowed them to get right back into the game by giving up a tying goal minutes later. And it's hard to win a game when you can't keep momentum on your side. Yeah. And when you can't get that separator goal, the, the wild made it three to two. And then what, what do they go do? They give up a power play goal with like 30 seconds left in the second period to make it three, three. Then they untie it on one of the craziest goals. Matt Boldy will probably score this year. No look between the legs with his back turned off of Carter Hart and in. And then, like you said, you go and you give up the game tying goal right around a minute later. It's that's the other part of the equation too, is that if you can just get that separator goal. And if you look at all these games against San Jose, Arizona, the wild have not been able to do that. And so you get just one goal to put things away. You're probably looking at a couple more wins along the way, but that also stems from not having your best stuff on nights where if you have like your full effort level, your full, you know, your full battle level, if you have that, you probably win this game five to two. Yeah, and I think it also stems from only having currently one speed and skill line, and the uh, which is obviously that second line of Eric Sinek, uh, Matt Boldy, and Marcus Johansson, but. That first line tonight <clears throat> just seemed to not – like, they did have a goal. Marcus Marcus Foligno did score. But Zuccarello was coasting on the ice. Hartman was coasting on the ice. It, it just doesn't that, – that line combination does not fit. And the, the reason why Sammy Walker was taken off was because Foligno had to slot in. And you need to put – a skill speed player back on that line, whether that's Brendan Duhame or Sam Steele, because those players can't produce with a checking forward on that line. You need to have, like, like we talked about earlier, Ryan Hartman is the checking forward on that line. The first line isn't supposed to be made up of two checking forwards and a setup guy. It's just not going to work as well as you want that to work. So in a game where you can't get that separator goal, especially when that goal was scored, the goal to take the lead was scored by the second line. You can't put them right back out there. You need to have a, 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 uh, I'm trying to find the word. You need to have a a 
complimentary line. line. Yeah. A complimentary line. Yes. You need someone to answer. And right now that first line can't do that. Yeah. It's, I think that's why we haven't seen this team put the lines in a blender is because they have the pieces put together. They've got, okay, we need this characteristic from one guy, this characteristic from another guy. They have that on those lines. It's just first line is missing that component. I, great point bringing up Sam Steele because Sam Steele looked fine on that line again as that speed guy and has been able to fill in on lines in short bursts, but the more you put him on a line, it seems, the more things start to kind of fall apart. But yeah, it's... The speed component is, I think, the most important parts because you have plenty of guys that can win battles, plenty of guys that can hold the zone, but those speed guys are the portion of the equation that's lacking, and you take that element away from that top line, and you may as well be playing... You may as well be curling out there, like just just trying to, you know toss the rock at a relatively normal speed and hope that it creates some chaos down on the other end. No, you you need somebody to go full bore into that thing to uh, allow for some mismatches. Yeah, and it almost seems logically to make more sense that you have a third line of Sunquist, Felino, and Gaudreau and a first line of let someone like Duhame, who anyone who watches Wild Games knows he could probably put up a fight in the fastest man skater competition. Um, and it's not like Duhame's just a checking forward. We've seen him score on Sunday against Washington. He had a highlight real goal, which he said was an eyes closed, lucky shot. But <laughs> what we saw was a very good skilled play. So I think that coming into Saturday or until Kaprizov is ready to return, you need to, take Felino off that line if you want that line to produce more. And again, yeah, you can argue that Felino did score tonight, so the line's producing. But if you look at the line, you got Zuccarello minus one, Ryan Hartman zero with an assist on the Hartman goal. Otherwise, he had a very quiet night. And Felino was uh, minus one, even though he scored tonight. So it's that line just wasn't that line just wasn't clicking tonight. And it wasn't it, it's not good when your first line can't produce. Yeah, you're, you're not going to have a good time if your first line is not um, taking care of their business. So we'll we'll make that official call for Locked on Wild to make a change on that top line. And it's so funny, too, because we, we both are saying this knowing full well, like you alluded to, that Marcus Foligno did score. We're still just wanting to see little more speed to that top line. Uh, some other things that we need to address moving forward. we got to start pulling some of the water out of the boat. That is the penalty kill. Very leaky for the Wild here over the last handful of games. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the power play as well as we continue to pick up the pieces after a rough loss to the Philadelphia Flyers on today's episode of Locked on Wild. After... A word from our sponsors. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot with greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. 
because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash LockedOn to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Wild, once again, thanks for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, make sure you check out Locked on NHL. The playoffs are near. Who's in, who's out? You can find all of that and more at Locked on NHL, free on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Seth Topol continuing to break down the action with Jaden Homuth on uh, today's episode. Let's talk special teams because power plays and scoring, penalty kill is giving up goals. And it's funny, Jaden, because it seems pretty it seems pretty likely that the more penalties you take, the more likely you are to give up a power play goal. But the Wild did not go to the box in this one tonight. And yet they still ended up giving up a goal to the Flyers in which the top end of the PK was out of position. It just it seems like those guys are starting to get caught away from where they should be, which is how teams are starting to rack up the number of power play goals that they are. Yeah, I the PK it's been it's been very bad recently and I think that it's it's weird because you have players like Mason Shaw and Connor Dewar who have been stellar on the PK and I think every player just hits a rough spot. And I think that the whole group collectively has been in a rough spot recently. Um, like, like you said, the more penalties you give up, the more likely it's going to be that you give up a goal. And tonight we played almost perfect with no penalties, but it just happened to be on that one. You just, you give up a power play goal and defenders like Jacob Middleton, who has been very good since the new year um, was on the ice for three goals against tonight and I think one of them was on the power play one of them was yeah so just it's just it's just a rough stretch for the special teams unit there and then the power play I think we spoke about it last time I was on it's just I think the power play is just missing Kaprizov yeah and I think that it'll fix itself when he's back I think that that's something that you can look forward to knowing is going to be fixed but we're not missing anybody on the PK that we were missing when it was doing good. So I think that they're just in a crunch right now that needs to be fixed before playoff time. And I think that it can be fixed because we've seen this power or this penalty kill at its best. Uh, I think it went, what, 27 for 27 at one point this year. Yeah. And it's so it's there. It's just not there right now. Well, and by being more of an aggressive penalty kill, you are going to get caught out of position if you don't immediately disrupt a team's power play unit. Just look at what the Flyers were able to do to the Wilds' power play unit tonight in disrupting them early and keeping them 
from entering into the zone. And a point that I think needs to be brought up about the power play goal for the Flyers tonight that I did not enter my mind until just now. Jewel Erickson Eck, by taking the penalty, not available on the penalty kill, which makes a huge difference. Yeah, it does 100%. I've always thought that you never want your main guys to take penalties. That's why I always hate when Shaw or Dewar or Erickson Eck takes a penalty because then you lose a very important piece of that penalty kill to the penalty kill. And it always comes back to bite you. And it, So when you got your main killers taking those penalties, you're always setting yourself up for – you're not setting yourself up for failure, but you're increasing your chance of failure. And it, I think that that's been a big um, – Besides John Merrill taking the penalties, I feel like it's been a big, um, a big thing going on recently. A big trend is that we always seem to have a, a mainstay on that PK sitting in the box, while the oppo- the opposing team is on the power play, and it never ends up going well recently. But when we were on that twenty-seven for twenty-seven streak, it was always players that necessarily weren't like I know Kaprizov was taking a lot of penalties at that time. Uh, just getting frustrated. And, you know, you don't necessarily need Kaprizov on the penalty kill for it to be good. You need your main guys. And mm-hmm. Eric Sinek is that PK center to win the faceoff and get clears. And that's how it's always gone. And now you got Connor Dewar, who isn't the greatest with faceoffs, but he can still manage. And when you, when you give up zone time, and it wasn't just the PK tonight, there was multiple times watching the game where ESPN would put that zone time clock up on the scoreboard. And Philadelphia would have the puck in the offensive zone for almost two minutes. Yep. And it didn't happen just once tonight. It happened multiple times. And you got to get the puck out of the zone, whether it's five on five or PK. I got some Dean Evison quotes <laughs> from tonight. <laughs> so let's talk about that. And then I want to I want to talk about the decor to finish things up tonight because um, obviously John Klingberg not in tonight. You would imagine that he does come in if he is ready to go on Saturday, which means somebody is coming out. So we're going to play musical chairs for the D. I want to talk about the shootouts too, the shootout goals, because, yeah, interesting things happening tonight. But here, here are the quotes from Dean Evason. <laughs> I love Dean. <laughs> Everybody does. He's a national treasure. Oh. He's He's so careless and nonchalant. Michael Russo on Twitter from Dean Evison, quote, we weren't very good. They were good. We knew they were playing well. They played well tonight, and we were loose. We were not firm. Turnovers. It didn't look like our hockey club. It's a good thing we got a practice day tomorrow. We can adjust some of those issues. I think by adjust these issues, he means we can skate these issues out. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's uh, not going to be a fun practice day, I don't think. But uh, we'll talk about musical chairs on D, as well as shootout goals, as we finish today's episode of Locked on Wild. After a word from our sponsor, which is the official sports betting partner of Locked on FanDuel Sportsbook. The NCAA tournament is heating up. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. 
Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wilds. Once again, thanks for making Locked on Wilds your first listen each and every day. Seth Topol hanging out with Jaden Homuth. Jaden, let's talk shootout goals. Do things get a little too predictable for particular members of the uh, Wild shootout squad? We saw Boldy. We saw Goudreau. We saw Zuccarello. None of them could solve Carter Hart in the shootout, which is why the Wild lost. Um, yeah, I think I think it's predictable when you've been in as many shootouts as the Wild have been in. Now 7-5, and five, which should lead the league in shootouts. Far and away. Um, if it doesn't, I'd be surprised. I uh, didn't plan to stat check that. But, um, <laughs> like, Philadelphia coming in tonight was only in two shootouts all year. So you don't really see what their shooters do in a shootout. But when you got a guy like Freddie Goudreau who leads the league in shootout goals – that gets the attention of goalies probably. So if you're coming up against Minnesota, you know he's going to take his wide release and he's going to do the same move. And I feel like Zuccarello a lot just doesn't really even try to make a move, really. I feel like he just tries to pick a spot, low glove. And it gets it, it definitely gets predictable. And the only player, I think, in NHL history who every goalie knew what he was going to do but still couldn't stop it is Miko Koivu, but he's gone. So... When it comes to the shootout, I think that players should have an arsenal of moves, but a lot of times they just like to stick with what's working. And for players like Freddie Gaudreau, who can argue that what he's been doing has been working, I feel like he can keep doing what he's been doing. Tonight it obviously didn't work, but I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't be a topic, but when you've been to as many shootouts as the Wild have been to, it is a topic so that's that's the appropriate response is that we've been to too many to the point that we're dissecting what players are doing in something that's it it would be like if the NBA settled games after overtime with a dunk contest you run out of ideas you don't know what to do it just gets too repetitive and I think 12 shootouts is it's a lot crazy that's it's a lot of shootouts. A lot so of shootouts. <laughs> so you run out of ideas. Like if you put me on the ice right now and gave me twelve attempts to score on a goalie, after about six of those, I'm going to start repeating moves because you don't yep. know what to do anymore. I'm going to get to the top. I'm going to get to like right between the faceoff circles and just start ripping shots. Like I'm, you get to where you get in your own head about something that you just need to go do. So, no, that's that's 100% the appropriate reaction is we have been in too many shootouts to be breaking down <laughs> shootout goals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this team. Um, <laughs> so, John Klingberg, if he is indeed ready to return on Saturday, who comes out? Because you got Spurgeon and Middleton back. You've got Brodeen and Dumba. And they just continue to they continue to be together as a pairing. And honestly, 
you know, I'll put it out there. Matt Dumba's play has, I think, gotten to the point where he has been more aware of what he needs to do on the ice. It's where he's not like a total liability out there. That third pairing, though, it's a work in progress. So I'd imagine one of those guys comes out, but what do you think? Well, I like what you brought up about Matt Dumba and how since his shoulder injury, I feel like he knows now that he can't be the offensive defenseman he used to be, and he needs to get more into his defensive gameplay, and that really helps being alongside Jonas Brodeen. So those top two pairs are set, and I don't think anyone's going to budge them. They Their chemistry with each other is both great. They go very well together. Um, Spurgeon and Middleton had an off night, but everyone has an off night, like I said earlier. Um, but when it comes to who slots out, I think you got to go with Merrill again. He was the most recent scratch for a defenseman. And um, he was a minus tonight, really only had two block shots, I think I remember seeing on the stat sheet. And otherwise, he name wasn't called a lot. And he didn't take any penalties tonight, which is a plus. But uh, Goligoski gets in. He got three shots tonight, uh, a couple block shots. He was a he was, I think he was a zero tonight. He wasn't a plus or a minus. So he's, he's able, I think he's holding down the hatch. It's a little bit more than John Merrill is. And I think that John Merrill and, or yeah, John Merrill needs to be out in my opinion when John, when John Klingberg comes back and Klingberg and Goligoski play together in Dallas. So they already have that previous chemistry. So when you got three pairs of chemistry, I feel like that's, that's what you need there. And I feel like I feel a lot of things, but Goligoski and Klingberg were working when they were together. Yeah. And I think that that's who you go with when Klingberg comes back. Well, and we're to the point in the season and with the number of players that you have on this roster, I don't feel like you can really operate on, well, yeah, but this player brings us X. You got to go with best lineup available. And if a particular player, in the case of John Merrill, if he's not using that size that he brings, if he is getting lost in the D zone, if he's committing penalties, all these things, you got to go with the lineup that gives you the best chance to win. That's just all there is to it. And at this point, it's not Merrill. Yeah, it's not. And yeah, I think it's got to be when Klingberg's available, if he's available Saturday, it's going to be Merrill the one the odd man out because you just look at what he's done recently. And if you go back to last year, Merrill was great. I, I kind of started my own little John Merrill fan club. And this year he's just been, he's just been kind of the guy who sticks out like a sore thumb. You yeah. just kind of look at him and you just, you want him out. And before this, we didn't have Klingberg, so he had to play it. We have Klingberg now, so someone's got to be out besides Addison, which that's a whole different topic for a whole different day. But it's it, John Maryland, and that's my pick for who would I think needs to come out when Klingberg is available again. Final thing that I just want to bring up, and I just more so want to air this grievance we got to figure something out about what continues to happen with players behind the net 
in Flurry's case, had a couple of instances where he just flat out got stuck back there with Flyers players just crashing behind. He got hit, I think, twice. And it just seems like so many times a defenseman or a forward is just sitting back there with really no plan as to where to go with the puck. All the while, the opponent is taking advantage, whether it be getting a change done or just straight up coming up and getting in the way of the puck. Like, handle it a little bit better behind your own net. Yeah, you know, you know, I've never, I've never really understood why goalies try to play the puck as much as they do. Um, and sometimes you see it a lot, especially Matt Dumba is very, very, very guilty. He just loves to just sit there and watch. And sometimes you'll hear the crowd start booing because he just sits back there for so long. And it, it has led to mishaps and it will continue to lead to mishaps. But I don't know. I just think it's, that's something that coaching has to control. You just, just start going, just be fast. I don't, I don't think that there's a reason to sit back there for five seconds. No. And it happened tonight where there was one instance where there was a flyers player that got back first on one side of the net. And so flurry tried to go to the other side. There was a flyers player waiting right there too who intercepted the pass. Then he had to scramble to get back in the net before his teammates were able to get back and offer some assistance. So, like Alex Goligoski had the blocked shot. That would have been a goal on the one-timer had Goligoski not been there because Flurry held the puck too long behind the net. It's like you don't have to be – and Alex Stalock used to do this all the time where he would would end up, like, halfway down the boards – chasing the puck, and it's like, my dude, just stay in the net. I think that's one, I think that's one of the biggest contrasts between Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury is that Gustafson, like, you, he's so close to those posts that you could take a bungee cord and, like, hook it to either post, and he's not going to move. Mm-hmm. Like, just stay in the net. Uh, the famous words of Steve Dangle with Sportsnet and TSN. If you're a goaltender, tend the goal. <laughs> you don't need to do anything else. <laughs> uh, that's. I, I think we're going to leave it at that. That's a fantastic quote, and uh, I think we'll just. I think we'll just leave it at that, um, <laughs> and see what happens on Saturday. So that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, make sure to give Jaden a follow. By the way. Um, adding to the cast of regulars here on Lockdown Wild. So give him a follow on Twitter and uh, follow along with us as we guide you through the rest of the wild season, pre and post game content, as well as full episodes like this. You can find them on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms as well. So subscribe, buckle in and hang on for the rest of the push to the playoffs as Lockdown Wild guides you every step of the way. We've got new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.